Welcome to Limited Time Only, the podcast for anyone who feels there aren't enough hours in their life. Limited Time Only is a mix of chat, comedy sketches and interviews with interesting people. We hope that we will make you smile, laugh and feel a bit brighter about the whole life, death and everything in between malarkey. Essentially, we're dissecting the human condition, just using a rubber chicken rather than a scalpel. I'm Esther and I'm Susie and And this this is Limited Limited Time Time Only. Only. This week it's time for being a jack of all trades. Oh, Esther, I haven't got any ideas for this week's show. I feel completely uninspired. Oh, sure. Esther, what are you stuffing into your mouth? A bit of Lady Macbeth for inspiration. You're eating the works of Shakespeare? No, I'm eating a delicious bar of Lady Macbeth dark orange chocolate from Sweet Theatre. I've just finished off Alice in Wonderland. Even the artwork on the packaging is beautiful. Is it helping? Indeed it is. Here, have a little nibble on Oscar Wilde. Mm. That one's gin and tonic flavour. Yum. Have you got any more? Um, um... Esther, have you eaten all the sweet theatre chocolate? Should I exit stage left? Yeah, I think you should. Sweet theatre. Chocolates with drama. Available online at sweettheatre.com and in participating theatres. If Esther hasn't eaten it all... Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. El Toes back, back, back. Tell your friends, 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 and your mum and your dad and your... (laughs) Gran and your pets. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is entitled Time for Being a Jack or Jill of All Trades. Or even a Jacqueline. A Jacqueline. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Time for Being a Jacqueline of All Trades. Um, But did you know, Esther, what the full quote is, where that comes from? I don't. Well, here's a little person to tell you. A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. I'll tell you where it comes from. It's from Elizabethan times. Okay. Um, It was famously used by Robert Greene in his 1592 booklet, Greene's Groatsworth of Wit. (laughs) Greene's what? Groatsworth? Yeah, so Groat was a... It's money, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Green's Groatsworth of Wit, um, where he referred to William Shakespeare with that, ah. um, that phrase. So, because it's off, it's used in different forms. It's so, Jack of all trades. It's like, oh, yeah, they do lots of things. Master yeah. of none. Oh, they're not really good at any of them. Um, yes. But actually, is oftentimes better than a master of one. I think that sounds like it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. With different things. Years ago, I pulled out, um, I found it the other day. I was going through a box of things that I pulled out from a magazine. Basically, I started Pinterest before Pinterest started. I always used to of rip course. things out. Of course it is. I mean, that's where they got the idea it's from, basically. It's isn't it? It's it is. And I've got a box full of images I like or ideas or things. And anyway, I was I was clearing it out the other day. I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a refresh. And um, I found, and I'd ripped it out of Red Magazine, circa 2012. Oh, yeah. Um, Could you be a portfolio woman? And the whole article was about the fact that we were moving into a new time where people would have more than one career and more than one stream of income. Mm. So... You could work in a museum uh, and then you might do some admin for somebody another couple of days a week and then you might, you know, pole dance in the evenings. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, my goodness. Your brain is... is... (laughs) 
admin pole dancing. <laughs> Seamless. That is kind Absolutely of how my bit. brain works. <laughs> okay. That's, that is how my, my brain's pretty filthy. So was that what you were aiming for in 2012? No, it was just what popped into my head. But so, I mean, obviously that was my preferred chosen career in 2012. But I've gone on 10 years and nobody wants to look at it anymore. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, yes, and it wouldn't give you a groat for it. Wouldn't give me a groat. <laughs> but I'd get a grope. I'd be, I'd be very specialist now, I think. Yeah. I'd be considered a, a specialist. small audience. Small audience, niche. Niche, <laughs> niche, niche for your niches. Yes. yes, yes, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, portfolio. That was it, wasn't it? That phrase, portfolio. Now it's multi hyphenate. Yes. And I looked up the definition of multi hyphenate yeah, and on. it said um, someone who does several different jobs, especially in the entertainment industry, which surprised me actually because I thought it was more generic, but multi hyphenate is slightly more towards creative jobs and entertainment jobs. Yeah. So this was from the Cambridge Dictionary, and then underneath it said, Timberlake has continued his growth as a full-fledged multi-hyphenate singer, film, actor, comedy, sketch player, and record label mogul. And I thought, mogul, I'd quite like to be considered a mogul, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I've gone like an old woman, I'm assuming it's a masculine term to be a mogul. I don't know, mogul. Yes, I don't often hear it as as a lady term. No, I've never heard it as a lady term. Mogul. An important or powerful person. I don't think it has to be male. Oh, in that case, I could be a mogul Or it's a steam locomotive of 260 wheel arrangement. Oh. You could be one of them. Well, I'll aspire for both and see which one I hit. 260 wheel arrangement. Jazz hands. If I had tap shoes on now, I'd be having a go on the carpet. <laughs> Two, four, six, eight, you'll come on. Pardon me, boys. Are you a Chattanooga mogul? Yeah, I'm going to put that on my list then. If I can mogul. be a train or a mogul. Yeah, yeah. Be a, yes, be a, yeah. Locum- well, you, you know, you steamroller over things. That sounds terrible. Um, You don't. But I, I, I plough ahead. Plough ahead, you plough on. Plow I on, do plow on. all your many, many failings. <laughs> so despite being a bit crap at everything, I keep going. And do you know what, Suze? That's the attitude you need in life. That, that's what you need to be a portfolio woman. <laughs> yes, a multi-hyphenate portfolio mogul. Yeah, it feels like portfolio woman should be... It's, it's like a, I could see an 80s poster. Yes. With someone with dyed blonde perm. Yes. With very dark roots. Melanie Griffiths, working yeah, girl. Yeah, that's it. Some really high stilettos, sharp suit, portfolio woman. Yeah. I'd like to be a portfolio woman. I've got my shoulders back now. Tits out, <laughs> shoulders back. <laughs> I think you are a portfolio woman, though, because, and you're definitely a multi hyphenate, because you do loads of different things. You do lots of voiceovers, you act, you write, you podcast, you produce. I moan. That's, you, I that's five. That's five things. As career-wise, that's five things. Yeah. And there's probably more. I'm very good so at hissy fits. Are you? And I think that's that's important when you work in the entertainment industry. Yes. I've got to keep the reputation Whinging up. and hissy fitting. Yeah. No, I, I get that about the, the multi-hyphenate being more of an entertainment industry thing. Because I think... I don't know whether there's more scope to, to, to say you do more stuff when you work in entertainment. Yeah. Because yeah. you kind of... 
we almost have to i suppose because it is very difficult because you, you do a lot of stuff you have to sort of drive things yourself don't you yeah um and I suppose it's more easy to go, well, I'm going to, I've written something, so I'm going to produce it and I'm going to be in it. And then I'm going to write a book about it. Yeah. Um, and also you just want to show off more, probably. Yes, obviously. <laughs> and I think it's just that sort of, all of the, I know we discussed this in the, the last season about hobbies and stuff like that. But um, like, I love doing this and I love writing plays and television stuff and I love acting and it's all it's all to me it's all under the same umbrella but people call it different things whereas mm. it's just I take a project and I work on it but I wear different hats under that in fact literally. I did get yeah literally where <laughs> yes I have to have a different hat for each for each thing I'm doing don't talk to me at the moment I'm still the writer call me Sheila and then I'll swap my hat and I'll yeah. be like right I'm Derek now and I'm producer <laughs> <laughs> change my hat um no it's it's um it's all of these things i want to do but they are all creative but they're all just sort of pursuing a project a project but mm. they're seen as different things yes but actually they there's so much crossover isn't there yeah there is so much crossover well we we both write on this we podcast we produce it and we edit it so we do four roles on, on we're multi-hyphenating this. as we're we multi-hyphen- speak yes yeah and actually i um i'd not really considered myself that before and then um a a couple of months ago somebody wrote something about something that i'd done who i didn't know and they'd and it was it wasn't uh like trolling (laughs) it was uh, a review of something that i'd done and then underneath they said that i was a multi-hyphenate i got quite excited Mm -hmm. yeah i think because when you work in the arts as well it's um it's sort of hard to be sometimes it feels like it's not a proper job because you enjoy it and I don't think it's always viewed as a proper job so I felt quite like I had a proper job when it said multi-hyphenate I was like oh I actually do stuff and people think I'm a multi-hyphenate and I don't spend all day just playing and in my imagination yes because it could be actor it could be actor writer producer rester yes um player Basically, I just, Sleeper. you know, I'm, I'm in my preferred world, which is the world in my head, not necessarily the real world. But I do think, I think most people are capable of doing more than one yeah. job or would quite like to. It's just that generally we have to pick um, mm. something unless you, unless you, you know, you do work in the arts where you can sort of, I don't know, be a bit more fluid, I suppose. And you kind of have to be a bit more entrepreneurial yes. because it's such a... You need to earn a living. <laughs> yes, it's such a weird industry. Mm. And, and I think not everybody's lucky enough to have the opportunity to be able to do more than one thing and to, to try stuff out. Because mm. sometimes it is an experimenting with things. As, as young people, we're, you know, choose your A-levels, um, what are you going to do at college or university? And you're kind of, right, that's my track. Mm. I can't deviate from that. And I think if you've trained for years to do something, it's hard to deviate. I'm always I'm always really impressed when I see like a doctor who's also uh, a podcaster or a writer. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I do know a couple of doctors who are actors. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, you've tra- you trained all those years and you worked as a doctor and now you're an actor. So they've stopped being a doctor or they still continue to work as a doctor. There was there's doctor. one um, chap um, on the Archers um, who's he's retired now from medicine but he was a gp um, oh wow a, a gp and an actor so and doing both at the same time oh wow yeah yeah amazing that's, that's incredible 
Yeah. I mean, did he? I, I yeah. And I knew. I've known, and I also often. know another actor who um, it isn't a doctor anymore. He trained as a doctor and worked as a doctor, and then gave up and, and became an actor. But I suppose I'm like, gosh, if you did all that work and training to give it up, what mm. a momentous decision. Yeah. We interrupt this program with a you bash. My portfolio career includes being a chef, a nurse, a taxi driver, a diplomat, a cleaner, an entertainer, and a personal shopper. You can call me Mother for short. Goodbye. I notice a lot of people, particularly around our age at the moment, who mm. have done the thing of, well, I've I've gone to school and then I've gone to college and then I've gone to uni or into work and I've trained and then I'm in this career and then I've had my family or whatever and then I've hit my forties yeah. and gone actually there's no uh, map for this next section it's just yeah. apparently I just do this until I get to my 60s and then yeah. I retire and then it's just retirement and then death yeah and and it's and then everyone starts going oh I'm, I I sort of was just doing what I was told to do um, or I've taken this path but I don't know if this is actually what I want to do yeah. and you change so much in your life don't yeah. you and I think a lot of people our age are a feeling yeah, you that you reassess what you do because you you, do. you've got to do what you've got to do to eat and pay the rent and or yeah. the mortgage and and feed your kids and once they're at school and yeah when you re- reach a certain point and also you might have really enjoyed what you were doing yeah that's great but actually oh okay well i've got these other interests now and now's my opportunity there are there are a lot of um of school mums that i know who are in this position now and some have sort of uh, taken a step back from work and have stopped working for a bit to give themselves a little sabbatical really to think Mm -hmm. about what they want to do um and I'm feeling that because my son is going to school full-time in September which I can't believe he still feels like a baby but I'm thinking oh well it's going to give me just that little bit more time to pursue what I want to pursue Mm -hmm. and there, there are certain things I want to sort of pair back and stop doing so much so I can focus on other things yeah Um, it is a time of self-assessment I suppose and kind of yes reflection isn't it time of reflection and I think the pandemic's been really good for that as well because obviously we've all had two years where a lot of people didn't work or have worked well have worked but had chunks of time where they haven't worked and it's just been a really good time for people to do that to have that sort of moment of yeah self-reflection and is this what I want and how do I want my life to look because you can end up on the hamster wheel and then Mm. before you know it I mean, my husband will have to say, oh, my God, it's Christmas again. How is yes. it Christmas again? And you yeah. almost in a bit Groundhog Day mm. at times. And um, I, and I suppose it's, they say it's a midlife crisis, don't they, sometimes? But I think sometimes yeah. it's just it's just a re-evaluation. Uh, where am I? What do I want? If I'm halfway through my life, what do I want the other half of my life yes, to look like? Yeah. And, and setting boundaries about, right, I can't do everything. What am I going to do? Right, so I'm going to have to say no to that, that and that. But yeah. I do want to pursue that. That's really interesting you saying midlife crisis. Because mm. when we were younger and you, you know, oh, look, that that 50 year old chap's bought a sports car. It, it was mm. always a bloke who's got who bought a sports car and gone off with a younger woman. That, yeah. That's sort of the epitome of midlife yes. crisis to me. But I actually think a midlife, midlife evaluation maybe yeah. would be better. Because I, I and I And now we're approaching midlife. Can we mean, say we're approaching it or are we, are we fully I in I know, there? it's weird. Some people say we're not there yet. My aunt said to me when I was 36, you're middle-aged now. And I was like, <gasps> well, I'd, I'd like to go on longer than 72. Yeah, but, well, uh... I'm going to go on until at least 100, so not there yet. Okay, um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think I can understand it now. I'm like, yeah, because, and, and in my head I'm going, well, I don't, I want to live in so many different places. I mean, I would like to live in sort of every country in the world. 
Mm. It's obviously not actually possible to do that. Yeah. Because, you know, I've got children who are at school and it's not possible anyway. And it, and it wouldn't be practical and it would be probably quite traumatic. <laughs> um, but that's where I am at the moment. I just want to have every experience. And I think it's that sense of, you know, why we started this podcast, time running out and things. Yeah. And I, I'm just going to have to mention this. I, I was listening. Obviously, we talk about Dr. Wrong and Chatterjee a lot because we love his podcast. Oh, yeah. Hello, Dr. Brilliant. Chatterjee. I hope you listen to us. We love you. Wrong. And, um, and uh, he had a, a chap on to uh, interview called Oliver Berkman. Oh yes, who yeah. Has written loads of books and loads of articles for the um, the Guardian, and and his recent book is called Four Thousand Weeks: Time Management for Mortals. Apparently, four thousand weeks is average number of weeks we have on the planet. Yeah, four thousand. I think it's I a think bit that's, less than we'd. Hope. I think it's sort of eighty three, isn't it? Is the average age? Um, and 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 listening to him talking about it, it was everything I'd been thinking. And yeah. that kind of obsessive, I want to do everything. I, w- I would like to retrain and do multiple other jobs. I know. But I actually physically can't. There isn't time for me to do all that stuff. So my job now is to try and work out what it is I do want to pursue. And it can be a few different paths, but it cannot be everything, Susie. You no. cannot visit every country in the world. You can't live everywhere. You cannot be a doctor anymore. You can't. <laughs> Don't even think about that. It's just not it's kind of sad but also that realism yeah um was was refreshing and what i needed to hear yeah um, but i st- you know i i was like right okay just try and try and work out what it is you really do want to do um and give yourself the opportunity to do it i completely agree and i i haven't listened to that one but i've heard oliver beckman on another podcast yeah and um it's quite it's quite a sad feeling, isn't it? There are, I want to read so many books. In fact, books are probably the thing I buy the most of. And because I'll always, I'll always excuse myself to buy a book. I always think, no, 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 books are good. Books are good. That's how I'm allowed to buy books. But I know I haven't read a lot of the ones that are on my bookshelf. I I struggle to make time for them. I don't prioritise them enough. And then I look at them sometimes and think, I'm never going to read all of these. And there are so many books I want to read. And there and I, and I, I've never read Wuthering Heights and it's one of those classics that I feel I should read and I'd, yeah. I'd like to have read it. And You will. But there, but there are only so many years, there's only so much time and it's it's that realisation. Yes, it is. And, and that's the re-evaluation, isn't it? And you've that's got to happens. face up to it that there is a finite time. Yeah. And actually, let's make the most of it. And Yeah. Because what I end up doing is wanting to do so much that I don't do anything almost mm. it paralyzes you yes yeah that para- paralyze you know being paralyzed by well not really choice because th- there is that but because i can't go i can't i would like to go and d- decamp and take the family to live in in spain for mm. a year mm. and and maybe i could um but there's a lot to think about <laughs> it's identifying what it is that you want to do the most mm. and then and how it impacts on other people as well. Exactly. And that's really difficult because once you're part of a family or even if you haven't got your own family, but you've got family members that live around you that perhaps you need to take care of and stuff, suddenly you're quite restricted in what you can actually do, yeah. which can be quite quite challenging when you know you want to go and do stuff. And then you think, well, hang on, my time's my time's getting running out. I remember hearing Dawn French saying she did um, a stand-up thing and I think it was called something like 6,000 minutes and she said that was the amount of time she had alive and how she realised that she just had to 
really choose what she wanted to do and just do it instead of saying yes to everything. Yeah. Listener, Dawn French's stand-up show was actually called 30 Million Minutes and was about the number of minutes she had lived up to that point. Silly Esther. Because actually, Oliver Berkman, 4,000 weeks, is 76 years old. So then we're definitely middle-aged because we would be 88. We're halfway to 88. And it's just that... I don't know, there's, there's the feeling when I was growing up and... And before I got to 40, everyone just always referred to me as young. And then there's something that happens when you hit 40. And then suddenly you're, everybody sort of talks to you in a completely different way. And I remember talking to a, a mum on the playground a few years ago and she said, oh, my, my friend's divorced. And she joined Tinder. And when she was 39, she got loads of people clicking on her and wanting to meet up with her and literally the second she turned 40 and it changed it went right down the the men she was looking at didn't want to date a woman in their 40s because there's a psychological thing 40 is very different from 30s and um and that sort of realization of oh shit that bit's gone oh god why why did i not appreciate it more i i kind of thought that bit was going to go on forever so i think that's also where the 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 re-evaluating comes yeah, and we should reevaluate the number four, number four and a yeah. zero. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, because actually it is quite exciting. I'm feeling more excited about the fact that I've got to the point where my kids are both going to be school age yeah, and start to have their own interests, which which really helps um, with to, me to sort of pursue my own interests. Yeah. Because once the, and, you know, their, their friendship groups expand and there's more there's more help really support because I mean my daughter goes up to play dates all the time she wants to go to someone else's house I'm like oh well that and if my son was doing that as well basically I'm just gonna try and have my kids out of the house away from me (laughs) as much as possible from September (laughs) but but there is that thing about motherhood and careers and and jobs and that that frustration that you have so much you want to want to do and so much to offer but you really you can't you can't you are constricted by children and, and it's a wonderful way to be constricted mm. um because obviously i love my kids and i love spending time with them but sometimes there's that there's that kind of oh it's like um wanted to burst out of this chrysalis and uh, and do what i want to do but i i can't quite and i still can't quite yeah. um which is why doing this podcast with you has been so great because i think it's it's been an outlet um a creative outlet that I haven't been able to pursue in you know other ways that I might like to um this has really been fulfilling um but yeah it's 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 hard I think it is hard being I think it's hard being a mum (laughs) I think it's hard um it's hard having lots of things you might want to do the workplace is changing so massively isn't it and I think more and more people are having these layered careers and yeah and our children will be able to do lots of different things and most of them will be entrepreneurs now yes entrepreneurs that's it and i'd say that we we're entrepreneurs and yeah and i think um i think it's an exciting time it's an exciting time to be alive esther it certainly is Susan. <laughs> and it certainly I, think, is. I think to be a jack of all trades and a master of none um is actually quite a good place to be and just to enjoy enjoy exploring what exactly what you know th- there's so much there's so much there's too much to do and see but if we can see just a little bit of it and yeah. and try give something a go and see if um if you like it and if you don't sack it off 
Yeah, I mean, sack it, it off, man. <laughs> Who needs a job? Who needs money? Sack your job off. Just I don't go play. Mean the job. I mean, you know, a little a little sideline or a little hobby that you might like. I'd like to be a bit have have more hyphens. I'm, what I'm, what, what other hyphens would you have? Oh, um, cheese taster. Yes. Um, pole flamenco dancer. dancer. Pole dancer. No, I haven't got the uh, upper arm strength for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or the pelvic floor. Um, <laughs> what else? Would I do? Oh, um, I would uh, a gardener. Yes. Um, I would also. I mean, uh, yeah. I said flamenco dancer, but probably ballroom. No, no, no. Maybe street dancer. Street yeah. Dancer. Um, and tap, obviously. Ofs. Uh, what else would I like to do? Rock climber. Yeah. Um, novelist. Yes. <laughs> Uh, public speaker. No, I wouldn't. Yes. I wouldn't like that. Um, oh, you'd be good at that. Um, maybe. And uh, oh, what else would I love to be able to do? Oh, uh, Olympic swimmer. Yes, and fiddling with your riddler on the roof. Fiddling with my riddler. Fiddling um, with your riddler playing. Oh the yes, folk, folk, folk music. Singer songwriter um, yeah. slash fiddler. Yes, all these by the end of the year will be true. Yes. Make it so. I'm going to hyphen myself up, Esther. Hyphen the shizzle out of yourself. (laughs) Welcome, ladies, to Brackley WI's brand new course, making social media work for you, not against you. Or M-S-M-W-F-Y-N-A-Y for short. To kick off, we've invited a special guest to overhaul the things that really make you, you your social media profiles. Introducing Mrs. Hyphenator. And I'm sorry, I didn't realise she was American. Thank you, Joan. You. Me. Yeah, beige lady. What's your Insta profile say? At Lisa Beige, 65. County Council Accountancy Department. Oh, dear. Let's innovate, exaggerate, hyphenate. Accountancy, no. Maths wizard, yes, hyphen. Do you exercise, Lisa? Not since 1987. You've ridden a bike before, though, right? Uh, yeah. Cyclist, hyphen. Do you have any hobbies that would have embarrassed you as a teenager? Well, I do like a spot of flower arranging. Floral designer, hyphen. Are you a human in relation to other humans? Uh. Are you a mom, sister, cousin? I live next door to a man called Jeff. Neighbour! At Lisa Beige 65, maths wizard, hyphen, cyclist, hyphen, floral designer, hyphen, neighbour. Bam! You're hyphenated. Can we add looking for love? Lisa, if you can fit it in, go for it. Oh, I can fit it in. People! Your profile should make it look like you haven't got time to sleep. If you've got fewer than three hyphens, you might as well delete your accounts and just be on Facebook, a.k.a. give up. Over to you, Joan. Well, thank you, Mrs. Hyphenator. Sounds like I have to reassess my entire persona. <laughs> yes, Joan, you really do. <laughs> Welcome, Esther. Thanks, Suze. To the inaugural round. It's always inaugural. <laughs> Never to be played again. <laughs> Quiz show called... Job. Or fob. <laughs> Job or fob. You're wondering what that means. <laughs> I, I am. I'm thinking about key fobs to key get into fobs. your job. I'm talking about fobs as in a fob off. Oh, okay. okay. I'm going to fob you off fob with a bob. Off. No, job. (laughs) 
Oh dear. Uh, basically, I'm not ever going to get a job as a quiz master. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, so this quiz is um, truly exciting. I'm going to give you the names of um, several, in fact, 10 or 11, um, famous actors or singers. And I'm going to give you three possible choices as to what job they did before they were famous. Okay. Several of them would probably have had many jobs um, because as we have already discussed, actors and singers often do. Yes. Um, but these, some of these are very, very interesting. Okay. Um, so, well, <laughs> hopefully all of these are very, very interesting. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty dull quiz. <laughs> 11 dull jobs. <laughs> <laughs> For the inaugural round of Job or Fob, here we go. We're going to start off with Steve Bacchimi. Is that how you say his name? Uh, I would say, I've heard, I think it's B- Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Steve Buscemi. I mean, maybe maybe we should do that thing where you can Google it and then the, you can press a button and it says it. I I thought it was Buscemi, but anyway. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> can you, can you, can you see me? Okay. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Okay. Was he A, a postman, B, a firefighter, or C, a courgette farmer. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, he often plays slightly unsettling characters, doesn't he? Are any of these jobs particularly unsettling? <laughs> I'm just thinking about being a postman and waking up, to, but then he wasn't playing those characters at that point, was he? I'm going to say postman, but I'm hoping a courgette farmer. Well, I'm afraid neither of those. Oh, he was a firefighter. Oh, really? After the 9-11 attacks, um, he actually went... And helped as, you know, remembered his training and went back uh, to be a firefighter. Oh, my yeah. God. What an incredible yeah. thing to do. So, that's good guy. So, him. yeah, firefighter. And that's a yeah. pretty, that, I mean, that's a pretty full on job, wow. isn't it? That's, that's, that's training. That's that's a proper job. Proper, proper, serious job. So the next one, Christopher Walken. OK, pretty cool. Cool dude. Yeah. I'm just picturing the Fat Boy Slim video where he where he's dancing on the ceiling and stuff. Yes, I was I was imagining that as well. Okay, so was he a a hairdresser, b an IT support worker, or c a lion tamer? <gasps> oh my God! I hope it's a lion tamer. Is that your final answer? Uh, no, it's not. I'm going to say hairdresser. It was lion tamer. Oh, was it? <gasps> Oh, I should have stuck with that. That's yes. bloody brilliant. A lion tamer. He was 16 at the time and he would perform with a lioness named Sheba. Oh, my God. Could you imagine being his mum as he goes off to work? Off to tame a lion, work oh with Sheba. God, I'd I be mean, terrified. That's not good, is it? <laughs> I mean, he was obviously good because he's still here. So, Well, he's still alive, so that's something. Well done, Chris. <laughs> okay. This one, I expect you're going to know this. Okay. I think everyone in the world knows this, but I'll put it in anyway. Um... In case you don't know it. So, uh, Harrison Ford. Was he A, a carpenter? B, a carpet fitter? Or C, a car salesman? Oh, you see, I like that. They'd do that on a daytime quiz show, wouldn't they? They'd make them really close just to befuddle you. Befuddled. Befuddled. But you're not befuddled because your answer is... Carpenter! You knew that. I did know that. Yeah, well, everyone knows that. It's like... Harrison Ford is ageing incredibly well do you know the guy is nearly 80 and he they're doing another indiana jones he's he's 80 next year <laughs> oh god 80 and it the man is i don't know what's happening 
but there's that oil of Olay is out. The jeans are strong in that man. He's great. Okay, number four, Rihanna. Oh, come, Mr. DJ Panda, did you play one, Mr. DJ? What you done? Music up. Sorry, I didn't realise Rihanna was actually here. Rihanna, <laughs> welcome to the show. Oh no! I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm just that good at uh, my impersonation. It was uncanny. <laughs> did you get chills? <laughs> I got chills. Are they multiplying? Are you losing control? Oh, just Rihanna, not John Travolta. Okay, so A, model. B, umbrella saleswoman. (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there? Or C, army cadet. Oh, army cadet. That's your answer? Yes. Correct. Yay! Yeah. I mean, of course she could be a model, but she's a feisty young woman. I like Rihanna. She's she's ballsy. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, it would have been genius if she'd been a genius if she'd been an umbrella saleswoman, and that's where she wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Standing on her beach in the Bahamas. I think she's from the Bahamas, isn't she? Umbrella, umbrella, umbrella. Hey, hey, Jeff, come stand under my umbrella. <laughs> I love that song. Okay, Pierce Brosnan. Was he A, a spy, B, a fire eater, or C, a creator of crosswords? I mean, I'm going creator of crosswords. I think that, yeah, creator of crosswords. I picture him in his, his 007 suit making up a crossword. <laughs> with, a, with a martini. I'm afraid, Esther, you're wrong. He was a fire eater. Oh, really? A professional fire eater. Oh, my goodness me. In his teens, he performed under the big top for three years. Wow. <laughs> With Christopher Walken sticking out of a lion. <laughs> yeah. Surprising wow. or what? Yeah. I am surprised by Next that. Next one is Barack Obama. Ah, uh, all hail. So was he A, an ice cream scooper, B, an ice cube delivery boy, or C, an air conditioning technical support worker? <laughs> Cooling. He was cool. He was cool even then. It's uh, cool. All the jobs are cool. All his jobs are very, very cool. I, I was expecting you to say, or was he C, iced tea? <laughs> um, I am going to say uh, ice cream scooper. Correct. For Baskin Robbins, yeah. Yeah, I think I knew that somewhere in the back of, in the filing cabinets at the back of my brain. All right, the next one is Dame Helen Mirren. Oh. Was she A, a baker? B, a candlestick maker? <laughs> Sorry, B. <laughs> B, a telephonist. Or C, a promoter for an amusement park. Promoter for, a, for an amusement park, I think. That is correct. Yes. It's in Southend-on-Sea. Yeah, because she was young when her acting took off, wasn't she? And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, promoter. For, yeah, cool. Southend. Southend. So, uh, next one's Kate Winslet. Okay. Okay. Was she A, a nanny? No. B, a seamstress? Or C, a sandwich maker. I think sandwich maker because, again, I remember watching a kid's show on BBC with her in um, when she was about 15. So I think she was a sandwich maker in, in amongst her acting jobs. That's correct. Yes. Sandwich maker in a deli. Uh, good we've old Kate We've Winslet. all been there. We've all been there. We have. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't won an Oscar. But, uh, <laughs> you know, similarities are strong. Okay, so Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, I love Whoopi Goldberg. Was she, B, a children's entertainer, C, a morgue beautician, or, hang on. I was going to say, where did he go? (laughs) 
<laughs> I wrote I wrote A C D on one of these. Oh really? Very worrying. <laughs> a a children's entertainer. B yeah. a morgue beautician. Oh, or Christ. C a therapist. I'm gonna say morgue beautician. You are correct. Oh really? Yes. <gasps> oh god, it's like death becomes her. I was thinking, you know, uh, she's in the sixth sense, isn't she? Oh no, it's ghost. Ghost, ghost. yeah. <laughs> something oh, that about, film. Yeah. Something about dead people. Ghost, yes, yes, dead people film. Something um, to do with dead people. Um, uh, yeah, the, it, we watched Death Becomes uh, Me and the Kids the other day, oh, yes. and I'd forgotten that Bruce Willis is a, ends up being a, a morgue beautician. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good film, that is. Yeah. Okay, um, Adrian Brody. Oh, yes, yes, yep. Was he A, a pianist? <laughs> B, a children's party magician? Or C, a barber. Oh, he's got a magical face. He's got like a magic, like he looks like he should be wearing a top hat and pulling rabbits out of it. I mean, he's probably a barber, but I'm going to go B. Correct. Yay! Oh yes. my God, I'm on fire with this. You are on fire. He um he used to perform at ch- magic shows at children's parties as the amazing Adrian. Oh, Wow. Yeah. It doesn't sort of roll off the tongue, does it? The amazing Adrian. The amazing Adrian. Um, yes. So that's what he did. Wow. And the last one yep. is John Bon Jovi. Oh. Was, was he? he? A, living on a prayer. B, <laughs> living on a hillside. <laughs> was, it, was he a, a, a shampoo salesman? Okay. B, mechanic. Yeah. C, Christmas decorations maker. Oh, I think I can imagine him in... Overalls. I think he was a mechanic. Ah, uh-uh. oh, Christmas decorations. He was a yes, Christmas decorations maker. Wow! Did, With all that lovely hair. Did you see that video that went around the internet a few years ago, where he was at a wedding and somebody, the band started playing "Living on a Prayer" and they were really like, "Come on, John, get on the oh, stage!" No. And his face and people started videoing him, and you could just see oh, he just wanted to curl up and die. And, that's awful. Yeah. He's, I'm, he seemed like a very nice man. And I'm yes, sure he made lovely baubles. Nice but that would just be, if everyone did that all the time, every time he went I anywhere. <laughs> oh, excruciating. Yeah. Oh, well, Esther, you scored 7 out of 11. Oh, oh is that all? 7-11, probably where Kate Winslet used to work. Yeah. <laughs> the Alfie. The, the outdoors. <laughs> Have you ever heard it referred to as that? The outdoors. People would say no. to me, I'm going to the outdoors. And I'd be like, what's the outdoors? And it's, yeah, the off-licence. Anyway, educating, educating. Educating the masses. Yeah. Um, there you are. Well done. That was Yuka's uh, Award 7 out of 11 on Job or Fob. Thank you very much, Susie. <laughs> you know that phrase, it's not the winning, it's the taking part that counts. Twaddle. My thoughts exactly. So this season, we thought we'd spice up your lives with a bit of a competition. Booyakasha! There's an actual trophy up for grabs. Boom! How do we win? Well, each week, we're going to ask a question on the social medias. The best responses will be read out in the following week's episode. And the writer of the very best audience story of the whole season will win the trophy. Oh, I'd better get writing. No, no, Esther, you can't enter. What? That's absolute bull... Thank you, girls. Hi, nice to see you both. It's so <laughs> lovely to see you in glorious Amsterdam. You're here, you're ready. We've given you some questions. We're not going to ask any of those. We've I know, I figured, <laughs> obviously we will. Today's guest is the glorious Sally Wood, also known as Sally Humphreys. 
Sally is a true multi-hyphenate. Theatre, TV and film producer, writer, actor, voiceover artist and founder of her own chocolate company, Sweet Theatre Limited. As chair of the last four galas at the amazing Roundhouse Theatre, she has helped raise over £3.5 million for the Roundhouse Trust, a charity which helps disadvantaged young people change their lives through creativity and the arts. She's also run three marathons, walks 10k a day and swims like a fish. Is there no end to this woman's talents? She is also the mother of twins and married to one of the most iconic rock stars on the planet, Rolling Stones legend Ronnie Wood. We talk to Sally about her life, what inspires her and what drives her. And we learn her, quite frankly, brilliant hack for taking the fear out of starting something new and scary. Welcome to the show, Sally Wood. Hi, Sally. Hi, girls. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're in Amsterdam at the moment, we understand. I am, only for a few hours, actually, because then I'm going back home to get the twins from school. But right now I'm in Amsterdam. (laughs) You are a theatre and film producer, a writer, a chocolate creator and business owner. You are a charity fundraiser and champion of small businesses, along with being a wife of a rock star and a mother of twins. How on earth do you find time? to eat (laughs) um well we don't we don't (laughs) if I'm really honest terrible cook um we rely on delivery quite a lot yes sounds good I've seen quite a lot of your Instagram stories where you've sort of baked a cake or and left something in the oven for like hours I actually I can do desserts that's the only thing I can do desserts yes anything else very little interest and I will find it in the oven Three days later. So are you are you <laughs> Honestly, more of a sweet sweet tooth? You're a sweet yeah, tooth person. I am a hundred percent sweet tooth, yeah. Did you always want to work in chocolate? Because you have a chocolate company called Sweet Theatre. Um do. did you know you always wanted to work in chocolate? Or uh, with chocolate? I mean in chocolate with I'd like to work in chocolate. I do. Confectionery. <laughs> I'm gonna broaden it to confectionery. Um and under that banner comes a lot of things, including everything you know, cakes, popcorn, donuts, every, everything to do with confectionery I love. Um, and I think it's because I had a teacher called Mrs. Adams when I was at school and she was our form teacher and our classroom was in the home economics department. So at about 13 or 14, I was making wedding cakes in the lunch hour. <laughs> oh, wow. Thing. And it, it never, it never left me. And my, honestly, I've tried to not do it you know to think I, this is you know this is out of control now just stop <laughs> stop buying equipment but I can't it just keeps growing and I thought well I think I have to accept now that I need some to grow this a little bit so it's a hobby that's out of control sweet theater started did sweet theater start as a bit of a hobby that you were turning into a business and then it's just got bigger or or was it just something you always knew you wanted to do yeah that's how it started it 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 just grew. I um, I was jet lagged, basically. I remember I woke up in Tokyo and I thought, how can I combine the two things that I like, which is theatre and chocolate? Because I'm on the road and I thought, oh, I kind of miss it. I'm like, oh, I just put them together. And I'd seen some artwork of a girl that I really liked called Laura Tinnold in Birmingham. And I contacted her and I said, I've got this idea. And I was thinking I could use these Shakespeare characters and, and I drew some terrible sketches. And so do you think you could maybe make these, you know, and she, and I worked with her and we created this range. And then people said, these are, these are great. We should sell them in shops. And, and then I, I basically sent them to some shops 
like Harvey Nichols and Fortnum and Masons and I didn't really know what I was doing and it was like a bad episode of Dragon's Den where they start asking me <laughs> questions I really don't know and I say things like mm, you know say an amount and they go yes we'll take all of them I think oh, I, didn't, I didn't really do that today. I hadn't oh, really thought about that but that's how it started and then it goes up and down depending on how busy I am. Did it start in your kitchen? Is it still in your kitchen? It's everywhere. <laughs> Honestly, it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. I've got so much stuff, I can't tell you. It's a problem. <laughs> do you make the chocolates initially and sort of do, the, do. Te- the testing and the tasting? Yeah, and I work with another chocolatier as well. And she does it when I'm not there. So it's really, it's really Gabby. She's amazing, but does it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of pop in from time to time or I'll bring the twins in with me and I think all the children at school they think I've got a full chocolate factory under the house (laughs) which is not true which is not I think they think it's Willy Wonka with slides and chocolate it's it's actually just a kind of an you know an industrial kitchen lockup. but I I'm happy to tell everyone I have a full Willy Wonka chocolate in the garden and take like some everlasting gobstoppers into school Mm -hmm, mm I have had a couple of bars that I bought from the ROC at Stratford and they are delicious. They're so lovely. I think I had the sea salt one and I had, um, might have just been the milk one as well, actually, but they were so lovely. And I got very excited when I walked into the ROC (laughs) and then I saw these chocolate bars. Oh my God, they're Sally's bars. Buy them all. That's what I do. I'm buying them all. I'm buying (laughs) them all. (laughs) But you don't just do chocolate. I mean, you started out, as an actress, would it be fair to say that's, I mean, you were at television workshop with us in Birmingham mm-hmm. and you started out as an actress. Was that the aim? Was that what you wanted to do? Or did you have any other ambitions? Yeah. I always wanted to do acting and the central television workshop came along and auditioned everybody at various schools around Birmingham and people got in and, and, and I got in and you girls got in and that's where we all met and lots of other people who we all know. And it was brilliant and I loved it. And we got to be in TV programs and see shows and go to the theatre. It was an amazing opportunity. I also wanted to be in the police force, actually. Oh, wow. And yeah, I really wanted to be in the murder squad. But having broken that down, I think actually I wanted to be Helen Mirren. So really, I think it <laughs> yeah. comes back yeah. to the same thing. It's going, so yep, still an actress. I, I actually yes. want to be Helen Mirren. I want to be Helen Mirren now. So, yeah. I think it's probably that, but I never know. And then I think, oh, I remember taking my parents on one of those school days where you, you know, careers. And um, there were a lot, I, I seem to remember there was a police room and I, this is this is definitely where I want to be. And they were, are you sure kind of thing? Are you sure? And then uh, off I went to drama school. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went to drama school, did you go with the idea of, I'm going to be a professional actress? I did. I went to Mount View Theatre School, um, which is also musical theatre based. And I worked quite a lot while I was there because Central TV g- kept picking us up for different jobs. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. So I would go and film different parts at different times. And it was just kind of on the cusp of the Internet. So it was back to old school letter writing. And I was very good at writing letters to people. So I would write to cast and directors and you send out your headshots. And, you know, if you write enough letters, so, you know, somebody will get back to you. So I'd probably write a hundred letters, but maybe I'd get one or two auditions and, and then I would get that, they get that job. So, so I did the same as, as you girls have done, you know, where you do all those episodes of programs and you do casualty and you do doctors and you do, you know, do you do all these things that you do and then shows or plays or things at the Edinburgh Festival. And I did all of that. 
And then you start thinking, oh, it's quite random, isn't it? It's like a day here and then nothing for four months and you're giving out leaflets or whatever you're doing. And uh, I thought, actually, we should probably have something a bit more uh, solid, I suppose. And that's when I started thinking, well, I'm very good at organising and I like, I love theatre. And I thought, you know, the producing side of it was of interest to me far more than anything else. I've never been that focused on any other side but I think that is the the organizing side of me I just went and worked for lots of different producers worked on different shows would still go off and do the odd bit of acting or voiceover or something here and there and then I thought well you have to really pick which side that's how I felt I actually don't think you have to do that but that's how I felt at the time uh you know you kind of have to pick which side you're on otherwise you don't really look like you're in either camp so Mm. I um I just set up my own small company which was basically um me in a in a a, an office in Leicester Square and worked at the weekends to pay for the office (laughs) like you know turned up every day like it's just me then what are we doing and then you know slowly some of the people that I'd work with I you know take an idea to them or you know someone that I had worked with we would come up with something and just start workshopping ideas or you know and that's that's kind of how it started really you're very entrepreneurial, aren't you? You're incredibly entrepreneurial. And I completely yeah. understand what you're saying as well about, I don't think it's like that so much now, but it did used to be, well, you're either an actor or a writer or a director or a producer. And I think now you can sort of tick lots of, lots of boxes and that's fine. But at that time, I don't think you could. Do you ever want to perform now? Uh, no, I would like to, but I've never wanted to be the main the main part I just like being involved in the whole company so small I, I want those parts that nobody else really wants and I don't quite know how you get them so I want to be the dead body or the person <laughs> that just says you know like has one one like it's always like a bit up from being an extra in a way but I'm quite happy with that um or voiceovers I like doing those I did one the other day and I think I like that just keeping in yeah but not too much pressure because yeah. also I haven't really got the the time to be able to commit something. I would love to be in a play, but I can't say, sure, I'll be there every night for the next 12 weeks. I just can't say that. So I can't do it. Um, But I would like to do it. And maybe my time will be when I'm 65 or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You produce film now as well. Is that quite a recent development? Yeah, that was because during lockdown, all of the theatres closed. So any projects I had going um, or shows we were working on, there were no venues, you know, there's no venues and everything was closing down or it was open, but then it was closed for two weeks, uh, you know, and it was just too much. There's too much at risk because I'm not a huge company at all. So when you're small, you know, you quite easily just get knocked down by it all. So I just thought, actually, I watch so much television and everybody's watching films and television at home. It's not really what I picked. I just thought that's almost what it has to be. So I just started, I'd done some short films and some little bits of TV from from things that we've done in the past. And I just thought, well, that's that's almost what I have to do. So Mm. So you did it. You branched out. You adapted. Adapted, yes. (laughs) Because (laughs) this episode is about being... A multi-hyphenate and you definitely are you've got a confectionery business you produce plays you act you do voiceovers and you write as well don't you yeah that's that was a lockdown thing that was because I had an idea for a tv program actually that I wanted to produce and I thought I'll come up with an idea or I had the idea and I thought I'll take it to a writer and they'll write it and then I'll produce it that was my original thought 
And um, I couldn't really find a writer or anyone that wanted to do it, if I'm honest. Mm. And so I, I thought, well, I'll have a go and then I'll find someone else who'll, who'll take it over. And I wrote this script and someone introduced me to a script editor and I worked with her and it was a bit like going back to school, actually. It was like um, and a kind of an open university, but through through Zooms like this. And we would meet kind of once or twice a week and she would read my script and she was brilliant. She just taught me so much. Her name's Britt Harrison. She's, she, I couldn't have done it without her. She really was amazing. And she was really harsh as well, which I quite liked actually. It was quite funny how, how that worked out. And she would kind of read the script and she would go, hmm, boring, okay. <laughs> oh, right, oh, okay. And then she'd say, do this again. And honestly, I think for a while I thought maybe someone else would do it for you. And then I realized, oh, oh, it's me. She's like, oh no, you write all of it. I just tell you what's terrible, you know, oh, oh, right, all of it. Then chuck that in the bin, start again. And she kind of pulled this script out of me, if you like, which took a long time. Then when I'd done the first episode, I sent it out to people. And honestly, it takes so long for anyone to get back to you for anything. And they did come back and they said, yeah, this is, this is interesting. Have you got any more? Who, who would you like to be in it? You know, some ideas. And I thought, God, six to eight weeks has gone by. I could have written episode yeah. two by now. And I, I got really frustrated with that. I was like, why is everyone going so slowly? Yeah. So basically I thought, well, I'm going to write episode two because by the time I wait for everybody to come back to me, I'm not moving it forward. And that happened. And then we went on tour again. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm on a completely different time zone. I can't really have meetings or even see people. So I just carried on and wrote the whole series, which isn't really the way to do it, but that's how I've done it. That's great. So you've got an entire series. I've got a whole series Ready. now. And, yeah, and now um, that's, that's what I'm going to produce next, or I'm working on anyway. Fantastic. How exciting. How exciting. <laughs> it seems to me like you come up against a challenge and then you mm. go, right, how can I solve this? How can I do something differently? Yeah. That's and, true. And you're really up for a challenge and you're really up for solving. And I think that's the producer in you, isn't it? That's the, that's yeah. the producer's job, solving problems. What, yeah. what's, what would you say have been the biggest challenges that you've come um, across so far? Well, people always say no. And I always think I've been rejected from so many things. But I think I'm so used to that from rejection. From I think we all are because we all went to drama school and we were, you know, and did acting where you're basically rejected all the time every day every day you know everyone is even the biggest you know even the biggest names out there are you know they have to be told no all the time and so you just get to the point where you go oh I just kind of assume everything will be a no and so you have to think of like okay well how am I gonna get get to the next point because it's not no okay I'm gonna fold it all up and do something completely different it's just changing direction. So I've never been afraid to fail. I just want to have a go. And I think as long as you're having a go, it will always move forward. And with the yeah. with the writing, I would think I will do 15 minutes every single day. So I'm, I'm very into increments where I just think just a little tiny bit every single day. I would often do more than that, but I, I, never, I never would do less than that. And suddenly you think, you know what, at the end of a month or two months you think I've written a script and now I can make that better so you can always if you've got nothing or you just say I'm just not even going to have a go then that, that's all you've got but I just think you just have to keep trying and I do like a challenge and it, I do think you just have to keep going and I look at all kinds of things I it's not like an aeroplane and I think I mean I definitely couldn't make an aeroplane <laughs> so I think <laughs> out so of I chocolate think, maybe no well I think <laughs> if, or or you know 
anything I just think well, if someone can do that if someone can do that then I can definitely do this or mm. is it whatever I'm trying to do it's not that difficult or someone's done it before and I also quite like to do something harder at the same time so if I'm doing something that's quite tricky I'll try and do something a bit harder at the same time completely differently over there which doesn't make this feel as frightening Ah, so what would that be? Can you give us an example? Uh, so at the moment, I'm doing a lot of swimming for a big cold swim I want to do later in the year. And that to me is very difficult. And that's harder than trying to push a script forward yeah. for me. Yeah. So, you know, I think every time I'm swimming, I'm thinking about my script all the time. I've probably written half of it while I've been swimming. That's just something I do. So I kind of think, is there something I can be doing that's harder that's completely not related to this but will slightly take the edge off and the other thing moves along at the same time that is mm. such a brilliant technique it's yeah, almost like a really distraction good. technique isn't it and like you say it takes the fear out of what you're currently doing have you mm. have you always been like that or is, are these skills that you've learned as you've gone through life um I don't know I think because I've always done a few things at the same time and somebody did once say to me once years ago it was about Oh, it was, it was 20 something years ago. I'd just done something at the Edinburgh Festival and I was doing something over here and I was trying to set up something over there, you know. And someone said to me, oh, you're like a scattergun. You know, you just have off it. And I, and I was actually really offended by that. But actually now I realise that's just, that's just who I am. I can't really just pick one thing. Some people can. And that's, that's what they do really, really well. I, mm. I think for me, I have to have a few things going at the same time a few projects, a few ideas, and one of them will land. And if they don't, then maybe one of the other was, you know, will take over. You need the variety, you need the sort of constant challenge and the the mental stimulation, would you say? And the utter panic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thrive on the stress. Does does that yeah. does it help you? I mean, does that I mean, it's um, I mean, it's risky, isn't it? The, th the it is risky putting yourself out there, do writing something, putting on a play. I mean, all I those know. things. Doing a cold it swim. Is. I want to hear more about the cold swim in a second. But okay. no, it's risk, isn't it? It's it's like it not is risky, and not it, bodily risk. But you know, I know. But then I always just think oh, I could just get rid of Instagram, and no one will know I'm even here. So then I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think, oh well. I mean, yeah, but. You have to try, don't you? I still think that. I still just think you just have to try. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. have moments where you think, oh, I wish I just got an office job? <laughs> or are you really happy with the the path that you've gone on and these, you know, these entrepreneurial things that you're doing? I w oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I do think that sometimes, but our brains aren't programmed to, to do it. So we mm. try. We might try and go, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I've done all those jobs. I've done temping and things where you think, yes, this is, this is absolutely what I should be. And someone's offered me a proper job with a laptop and a car. And then I just thought, no, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. I just can't mm. do it. I just, I, I, I just can't. I, I can't. Also, I'd have to get up really early in the morning. <laughs> and I can't do that. Honestly, I can't. The thought, the thought of that. Yeah. And being the same place every day. That's, that I, uh, I was hospitalised after I had a, I had a, had a job temp in job. an office. I took a normal job and um, and my whole body broke out in experts to the point where they nearly hospitalised me. And I was like, yeah, oh, I can't wow. do this. It's That's um, a sign, isn't it? Variety. That's a real sign. Like your, my body was literally rejecting it. No, 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 this isn't for me. <laughs> so yeah. I can completely understand that. So tell us about your cold water swim. 
so I've always wanted to swim the channel my whole my my whole life and that has been my ambition wow. and I was yeah well you know it's all very well talking about it and I'm really good at talking about it but not actually doing it and then a friend of mine kind of slightly called me out and said there's a relay swim would you like to be on the team a channel relay swim wow and I thought well you know this is it really isn't it I'm and honestly, I really also thought that people swam the channel when they were much, much older. In my mind, I thought it was kind of, you know, when you're kind of 75 or 80 and your kids have gone oh, to yeah. university and all you can do is train. That's honestly what I thought. And then I read an article that said something like, you know, the oldest woman ever to swim the channel at 56 or something. And I thought, oh, my God, that's actually not that far away. I've got to, I've got to crack on. It's changed now. There are yeah. older, older people. But it's, I thought, oh, heck, I, I better give this a go. So, um that's what we are doing whether or not we actually do it is a different thing because the cold is very very cold but I'm putting the training in as if it's happening and come back to me uh, September so when when will it be is it August it'll be the end of August August. I mean it all depends on the tides and the weather and in theory but there's no guarantee I'll even get on the boat because you have to pass cold water swims and it's without a wetsuit honestly why we why it's the it's the rules of the the channel association it's it's those historic rules but um you know I really don't like the cold and we live like we're orchids so everything's a hundred degrees in the house the entire time people come (laughs) in like oh my god it's so hot in here Everyone's walking around in bikinis in the house. And um (laughs) live like like your orchids (laughs) I know and and then the, the water is absolutely freezing. So, yeah. and that's not even how cold it is in the channel. So oh, that's tricky. The other day, actually, I went swimming. I did some cold water. It wasn't even that cold. It was about 19 degrees. And I took a video afterwards saying, you know, hi, here I am, blah, blah, blah. I've just done my swim, blah, blah. And I looked at it later and I thought, oh, look at that. I recorded it on time-lapse. That's so weird. And then I looked at it again and I realized, no, it wasn't on time-lapse. I was shaking so <laughs> much. <laughs> Honest, that it it looked like I'd recorded it in fast forward, and I had no idea. Yeah, because it's it, dangerous it, times, girl. Well, you know, you haven't got a lot of excess meat on there to kind I of. No. Do, do you have to cover yourself in lard? That's what I want to know. I hope know. so, because yeah. <laughs> I'll take anything, anything I can get. But apparently not. It's kind of like not the done thing anymore. I'm like, why not? I'll take it. So I, I keep picturing Victoria Wood when I think yes. remember that Victoria Wood sketch when no one comes Love to her. wave her off. Oh. I know, oh. I know, I know. No, we'll be there. We'll be we'll there. Be we'll there. come and wave you off. Oh God. So if you're doing a relay, how how long do you have to swim? Oh, you I mean, swim for an hour and then you rotate and you get it. and it can take anything up to 24 hours. You I mean you might not make it because oh the weather goodness. can change. So you can get yeah. all the way to the end, and then they go, oh, sorry, you're gonna miss your slot. And you're five miles back down the road and no, they can cancel. I mean, it's horrendous. Well, fingers crossed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> I'll have to do it again next year or yes. something. I don't know. But that, I think, is probably the hardest thing. That and grade five theory, that was pretty tough. Um, piano is that? <laughs> uh, well, no, that was actually when I was at school doing the clarinet. But oh, okay. But I did take up piano a few years ago. I need to start that again. That will be my next year's new fear. And I took my grade one exam with 
all these little children. I was about <laughs> 40 something. And I went there to the exam. I was so scared in the exam. And the teacher or the examiner came out and said, and which one is your child? And I said, no, <laughs> actually it's me. And, um, and, that, and that was that. Did but I did pass. pass. I did pass. Yes. Do you know what, Sal? I am absolutely taking on next year's new fear as a, as a, like a slogan for me. I'm absolutely going to do that. What am I scared of? What would I like to do? But what terrifies me? Let's do it. I think that's such a brilliant attitude. Such a brilliant attitude. And so you're in Amsterdam at the moment and you're gearing up for the next Stones tour, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're rehearsing here. Yeah. And so do you enjoy touring? Or do you yeah, get I love homesick? touring. Do you? No, I love touring. I'd like to live in a hotel for the rest of my life. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's great. It's great. What There's do no you kitchen. love about it? <laughs> There's no kitchen. I don't yes. have to even oh, pretend to be able to cook. I wish. I love hotels, room service. I mean, yeah. please, yes, yes. Love it. Love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's your favorite place? Oh, it's always LA. I love LA. LA yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If you yeah. can't find, I always say this, but if you can't find me, if I literally dropped off the grid and deleted the Instagram, I'll be in LA. Oh, <laughs> really? What is it about LA? I love it. It's my, it's my, my happy place. And every time I go there, my parents go, you are coming back, aren't you? Oh, yes. yeah. What is it about it you love? Oh, it's just so, so lovely. The weather, a lot of space. Everybody is so lovely, even though I know they don't mean it. You know, it's just <laughs> great. Everyone's like, oh my God, let me do that for you. Oh, thank you so much. It's so lovely over there. Oh. Do the girls enjoy touring? Because you've got twin daughters, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do they enjoy touring? Yes, they love it. They're very good travellers. Uh, they have their little suitcases and um, they they love it. Yeah. They're very funny. They, it's their birthday in a couple of weeks, actually. And they said, um, well, actually, I said to them, I said, yeah, we'll be on tour and we can have a party. And, and uh, Alice said, she went, oh. I went, what? What's wrong? She went, is it going to be an adult party? And I went, <laughs> I said, oh, what's an adult party? And she said, oh, it's just adults and food. Oh, that's it. And I was thinking, that's a great party. You don't, even play, you don't even play games. And I was like, okay, noted, noted. <laughs> Do you think the um, kids fully understand that, that their dad's a Rolling Stone? They know he is, yeah, they know he is in the band. Yeah, they do. I mean, we have a bit of a joke because they come to the sound check um, on gig days and they, of course, there's no people there for the sound check. So Ronnie kind of jokes and says, my children think I play to an empty stadium. So (laughs) they don't don't really get the kind of enormity of it all, but they they know he's in a band. I mean, they've seen bits of it and then they kind of, they've fallen asleep by the time it's on like the third number, but um, they're there, so... Oh, that's great. They, they know see it. that. He's, he's just dad. dad. He's just daddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's dad. He's just dad. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever get nervous when you meet people? Because I imagine you meet a lot of famous people. Do you get nervous <laughs> ever and starstruck? Um, no, I think, I like to think I kind of just, just treat people as people, really. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter who they are or what they do. If they're kind of lovely people, that makes it a lot easier. And to be honest, everyone that you meet, they've worked so hard and have kind of, work their way up over so many years oh they're just really grounded yeah you know like again it's I really think that comes back to the workshop we work with some incredible people who've gone on and they've been nominated for Oscars and they've won BAFTAs and you know and and 
they're just our friends. Yeah. But they've worked really, really hard. Um, yeah. But they've kept themselves very, very grounded and very normal. So I actually think a lot of these super superstars are very grounded. Yeah. Mm. There, has there ever been anybody that you have sort of idolized and then you got to meet them? Yeah, I did meet Dolly Parton. <gasps> who's my favorite, my favorite. Perhaps. How was how, how was it? Was yeah, she amazing? Was she's amazing. She's a tiny, tiny little waist and these really long acrylic nails. Really long. I mean, like <laughs> twelve centimeters. Like how longer. How did she play the guitar? I don't know. She's brilliant because she's amazing. She goes, you know, she has those nails, maybe. And I thought, my God, how are you going to shake hands? I mean, and then she just did it, and I thought, wow, you're everything about you. She's perfect. Yeah. Um, so she was probably my absolute you know, idol. Could you speak? Because when I meet a really famous person that I'm like, oh, I, I just can't talk. I could speak. But, you know, I look back at something and I think, my God, that was amazing. I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. There's some people that I, I don't know. I think, oh, gosh, what would happen if I met them? I never met Victoria Wood. And she is probably one of my... I just loved her like the whole time when I was growing up just all of her work I just loved it so much and I'm quite glad actually that I never did meet her because she's just up there as a complete iconic person for me so I, I never met her do you have people who meet you who who struggle no <laughs> okay. oh. what are you talking about <laughs> well you might do you know no you, Sally and Ronnie no no <laughs> I bet they do, but they're just covering it up. Maybe a five-year-old cool. who thinks I've got a chocolate factory at the bottom of the garden. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, is there anything, because you've done so many things and you've achieved so many things already, are there other things that you want to do? What's on your list? The fear oh, list. loads. Um, I, I do want to swim the channel, but as a solo swim, but really I feel like I'm not entirely sure that that is actually very realistic now having done what I've been doing. So that's always been the one on my list. And then I think like everybody else, I'd like to win all of those awards, you know, all of the obvious ones. Yes, please, we'd like a BAFTA and a Tony <laughs> and, a, and a Golden yeah. Globe and an Olivier and an Oscar. I have all of those. I don't mind yeah. what for. Any, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind what I win those for. It can be anything, <laughs> start a new skill. Um, <laughs> so I've got that and, you know, and, and all the other 3000 things that you want to do. Yeah, in the limited time that is available. I know, don't say that. I mean, no, well, no, how, no. how long have I got left? Are you... <laughs> yeah, hundreds of years. Oh, good. <laughs> Great. But, you know, you do 20 things at a time, so you probably can fit them all in, Sal. What's the thing that you've done that you would say you're proudest of? Oh, um, when I was about 15, I was on a French holiday somewhere and I, and I was somehow on a kind of in a climbing group thing. And nobody spoke English and it was just me. And they kind of set me off on this up you go. And there were no ropes or anything. I don't think it was safe at all looking back. And I knew I had to get to the top. Um, I just remember thinking I have to get to the top. Like there's no other option here. There is no, I don't, everyone's kind of shouting at me from the bottom. And I got to the top and I've never forgotten that. And I thought I did that. And I think those type of moments yeah. are the things that you you really feel that you've achieved something. Something where somebody can't take it away from you or say you didn't do it. Yeah. I have run a marathon, so I think, you know, I've done that. I definitely did that. It's a bit like passing an exam. For me, I think it's always kind of passing an exam or doing something that nobody can say you did it because of someone else. You know, you literally did that all by yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're very inspiring. You are inspiring. You're very inspiring. <laughs> 
Yeah, you are. Oh. You're entrepreneurial. You're you're a go you're a go getter. <laughs> like a, it's like an eighties phrase. That's but you, part of it. You, you set your mind to something, and you you're not afraid. You're not afraid to fail, are you? You just go for it, and it's it's massively inspiring. Pile of failures behind me, crashing yeah. and burning. But... Something yes. will land one day, girls. We know you've got to get a flight. So um, back to back to the UK. So um, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Really interesting because, you know, we know you. <laughs> We've known you for years. But it's just lovely to speak to you about what what you do and how you do it and how because you because you do so much and and I think some of the things you've said today will be inspirational for people including Esther and myself we're going to write a few oh, slogans absolutely. All. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so yes. thank you very much yeah thank, thank you. you you have been listening to limited time only If you've enjoyed this episode, then why don't you share it with someone you think would enjoy it too? Please like, follow or subscribe so we can pop into your ears on a regular basis. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Your glowing reviews will help to shape future episodes and help other people to find us. You can join the Limited Time Only Conversation on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us hello at limitedtimeonlypodcast.com. We'll be back for more next time. But But for for now, now, hyphen the shizzle out of yourself.